Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is February 13th. This is a 7 a.m. meeting, and today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are at page 26, the first paragraph that starts with a certain businessman reading one paragraph. Today's readers are, and thank you so much for your service, Barbara E., Martha Z., Susan H., Cecilia H., Tony Ann A., and our newcomer greeter will be Russ M. and host Jody E.Q. for the 8 a.m. meeting. The reference numbers for our yesterday's Vision for You meeting, February 12th, Monday, February 12th, 7 a.m., 11,035. That's 11035. And for yesterday's 10 a.m. Vision for You meeting, 11,036. That's 11036. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Cecilia H. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Cecilia. Good morning. This is Cecilia H. I'm a compulsive overeater, grateful for my daily reprieve. These are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service.
Thank you so much, Cecilia H. I will now ask for Tony Ann A. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Tony Ann. Good morning. Good morning. This is Tony Ann A., a recovered compulsive overeater from Montclair. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overuse Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Tony Ann. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, that's what I'm doing, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, however, that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then please remember to press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 26 at the first paragraph. I will ask for Barbara E. to get us started. Go ahead, Barbara. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this service for everyone, including myself. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. Okay. A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he'd floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Then he'd gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist Dr. Zhang, who prescribed for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. 
Above all, he believed he'd acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. And I would appreciate that time to uh, letting me know when I finished. Well, this certainly could be me. I know it was Roland Hazard, but I thought I had ability. I thought I had intelligence. I thought I could do it over and over and over again. I too, like Roland, floundered around from one diet program to another, to a psychologist, to liquid protein. And I always thought I was smart enough to go out and do it on my own. And I could not. I was powerless, but I didn't understand. The intelligent part of my brain said, don't do it. It won't end well. But the emotional side always said, you'll feel better. You deserve it. It won't hurt. You can stop just this once. It took many years for me to really accept I was powerless and there was something out there that could help me. Metamorphically, my home had no windows, no doors. I had to find a contractor that would knock down some of those doors, some of those windows, and allow the sunlight of the spirit to get in. Who knew? I didn't that it would turn out to be a power outside of myself that I'll call my higher power. The book says there's a solution, not a choice. And in this chapter, the first half of the book is telling me how hopeless it is. But now we're going to find out that there is hope. So I had to stop playing leapfrog with my abstinence because sooner or later I always got screwed I need God. I need a food sponsor. I need a recovered step sponsor. I needed to work the steps in order. I needed to go to -to face-to-face meetings. I needed everything. And above all, I needed faith that truly came from my heart. Step two says, I came to believe. Well, I faked it until I could believe. And if you're out there and you're suffering, This program really works, and it works for everyone. No one is too dumb, and hopefully no one is too smart, because it's a waste of time for me to pretend to be something that I'm not. I'd be missing out on the rewards of this program, and it is indeed a wonderful program. Thank you so much for allowing me again to do this service. I pass. Great, Barbara. Perfect timing. We are now going to open it up for sharing. Who would like to share on what was read on page 26, that first paragraph? Kim G. from Sunshine. Harlan G. Mary G. Craig S. Okay, I think I've got who I need here at first six. Did I hear Ariva? Did I hear Ariva P in there, or was it just Mary P? Mary G. Mary G. Okay, so no Riva. Okay, so I have Kim G, Larry K, 
Harlan, Mary G, and Craig. Oh, Rita K, and Craig F. I think it's Craig F. Uh-huh. Harlan G. All right, sorry. Let me go through this again. Kim G, Larry K, Harlan G, Mary G, Craig F, and Rita K. Okay, we'll start with this awesome group of people. All right, Kim G, you are up. Followed by Thank Larry you. K. Thanks, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I love Roland Hazard. You know, just looking back at the history, which I'm sure Harlan will give us a much better representation, but the reason I love Roland is because he busts a lot of delusions for me. You have to remember when this was going on. This was the Great Depression. You know, there was a 25% unemployment rate. People were waiting in bread lines. People, you know, the country was devastated. But Roland came from money. He came from old money, political money. He had access to everything, and his parents loved him. You know, he had access to the best of everything. You know, he wound up going to see Carl Jung, who I studied in the 1980s when I was getting, getting a psychology degree. He had access to everything. So that, that busted my delusions when I thought to myself, you know what, the problem is I'm just not properly financed. You know, if I could get a personal chef, I could stay abstinent. If I could have that personal trainer, I could get down to that magical size six. If I had that perfect boyfriend, I wouldn't want to eat. If I had enough money to go to the high-end spas and diet clubs, I would be able to stay abstinent. But I have to tell you, even in Overeaters Anonymous, I love how it talks about he believed and acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. You know, when I came in in the 90s, there was this book that was written about food addiction. And I have to tell you, it was a beautiful description of food addiction. But understanding that book didn't keep me abstinent. You know, I really thought, well, maybe I just have to switch food plans, and that'll keep me abstinent. Maybe I don't have the right sponsor. That'll keep me abstinent. You know, I'm not going to the right meetings. You know, I remember one time being so convinced that I was going to stay abstinent because I'm a very cheap person, and I actually bought Tupperware. Not the, not the store brand, but actual Tupperware, and I thought, this is it. I'm going to stay abstinent. So what we're going to learn in these next couple pages is it doesn't matter what we have access to. It doesn't matter how much we figure this out. It doesn't matter how many times that we can get up in the morning and try to throw OA slogans all over the place. If I have this allergy to the body, if I ingest this food, I cannot reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. But what we're really hearing about is if I have this mental twist, I am beyond human aid. There is nothing that I can do to convince myself that I am not going to eat. Step one does not tell me don't eat, Kim. Step one tells me, Kim, you're going to eat, you're going to eat, you're going to eat, unless you have a spiritual awakening. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry K., you're up, followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. I'm Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So, you know, Carl Jung um, was is really important to me uh, in terms of understanding the uh, the trajectory of this program and the evolution of this program. He was a Swiss psychiatrist, as we know, and he was he was a pretty courageous guy. I think he, there was a lot of parallels to Dr. Silkworth in that he put himself out there, um, even though he 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 you know he didn't know that he was going to have an influence in our program, but he put himself out there. He broke away from Dr. Freud at the time, and he was going to be kind of the, mm-hmm. 
he was he worshipped Freud, uh, Freud's psychoanalytic theory, and and Freud was kind of at the top of the food chain, and it was more difficult because because Jung again, again worshipped Freud, and Jung Jung became one of the great psychological minds of the day, and he broke away from Freud um, based on see Freud was was definitely aligned with his Jewish heritage, but Freud was a self-proclaimed atheist. And Jung was someone that definitely believed in the spiritual realm. And there was two quotes attributable to Jung that for me informed my understanding of what we're reading and the divine nature of the evolution of what became the 12-step program of action. And it also gives us some insights into his work with Roland Hazard in Europe. First, one of the things that Jung said was, and he said, and I quote him, we should not pretend to understand the world only by the intellect. The judgment of the intellect is only part of the truth. So early on, Jung recognized that there was a significant realm that went beyond what was available to, to the human intellect. And just because he couldn't touch it, he couldn't measure it, and ultimately could not prove the existence of a higher power at the same time, that didn't mean that one didn't exist. And another thing that Jung said that I think informs me in terms of these chapters is he said, I could not say I believe. I know. I have had the experience of being gripped by something that is stronger than myself, something that people call God. That was something that Jung said. And for me, again, that's why where I see the parallel between Dr. Jung and Dr. Silk were two men who had much to lose by acknowledging some power outside their synthetic knowledge, right? Because the medical community rejected that. With Jung and his interaction with Roland Hazard, it took intellectual humility to acknowledge the collusion of the scientific realm with the spiritual realm. And I'm glad he, he stood out that way. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Harlan G., it is your turn. Thank you, Amy, and thank you to Team Tuesday. And uh, I want to thank all of you for making this magnificent meeting possible. Happy birthday, Kim. And also, uh, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are looking at a snippet here of one of the greatest events in human history, and that is the history, the germination of step number two as we know it today. Dr. Silkworth gives us step number one. He gives us the knowledge of the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind. And without a solution to that, we have nothing. So the situation is this. Roland Hazard has consulted with Freud, and Freud wasn't taking on any new patients. He consults with Adler. Adler isn't taking on any new patients. It is 1932. And Roland is about to go to Switzerland and come under the care of Dr. Jung. And Jung will treat Roland for depression and anxiety and a multitude of other things for one solid year. He will medicate Roland and he will keep Roland under his thumb where he can't, you know, there's no liquor there. So the liquor is not going to be an issue here. 1933... 1933, the spring of 33, Dr. Jung says to Roland Hazard, you are now ready to go home. Roland goes to Paris, which is the first step in the process of getting back to New York. 
even though Lindbergh had crossed the Atlantic, when you crossed the Atlantic, air, air travel wasn't what it is today. You went by ship. Roland is in Paris and runs into two very close friends of his parents. <clears throat> and in Paris, they celebrate Roland's new health. They celebrate Roland's new sobriety with a bottle of France's best champagne. And within a very, very short period of time, Roland is under the table drunk to the surprise of all three people at the table, and he is incapacitated once again by liquor. Is it odd or is it God that Roland found Jung rather than Freud or Adler? Because as was alluded to, Freud broke rank with Adler and, and Freud. Jung broke rank with them on one area that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of days, and that is that not all solutions lie within the mind, that there was here and there a vital spiritual experience that could alter a person in their behaviors, attitudes, and thoughts. On page seven of the big book in Bill's story, Bill talks about surely this was the answer, self-knowledge, but it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more. Mm -hmm. Roland had very profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs. That relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. There are people on this line and, you know, in, in, in all over LA that could write theses on mm -hmm. diets and calories, but it, we're still going to eat if we're compulsive overeaters. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Mary G., it's your turn, followed by Craig F. Hi, good morning, Mary. This is Mary G., or Amy. This is Mary G. from Rochester, New York, uh, recovering compulsive overeater. And I came into OA in 1979 in Boston, and I don't think I heard anything about steps or anything about traditions or anything about a disease but I heard about sugar, and I went home and I threw out everything that I had that had sugar in it, had a terrible sugar withdrawal, and read a book about sugar, about all the damage sugar does. It was not a conference-approved book. It was just a book that was popular on the market about sugar, and I was ready to go. I was ready to not eat sugar. I was never going to eat sugar again, and I actually didn't eat sugar for 10 years. And then one day I was making cookies, and I thought, ah, you know, I can just have one. And I picked it up, and I was completely, totally off and running. And I picked up the book again, thinking, this will get me stopped. You know, it worked before. I'll read it again, and I'll, I'll be done with this horror. And, you know, of course, we all know what happened. I couldn't. I was sitting there reading the book, eating as I read. And I just remember feeling a sense of absolute horror and powerlessness, but I couldn't have named what I was feeling. And it took me many more years of, you know, making a beginning and failing to enlarge my spiritual life over and over and over and over again um, because I couldn't, um, take the action required to 
get that vital spiritual experience. And um, I'm just so grateful for this line and for a sponsor who did not give up on me during all those relapses because she saw that there was willingness there in, in even in the grip of this disease and continued to encourage me to work the program like my hair was on fire, as Harlan says, and not give up. Um, and so I guess that's all I have to share today, but thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Mary G. Craig F., it's your turn, followed by Rita K. Hi, this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, can I be heard? I can hear you well. Thank you. Oh, Go great. Ahead. Thank you. All right. The thing I want to uh, hit is this. I've got it highlighted here. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. You know, I have this... Um, background i have an architecture degree and an engineering degree and you know i grew up with a father that i mean if there was something wrong with the car uh, he made me fix it uh, so that i'd learn how you know to replace the right part to diagnose the problem right you know he, he was an electronics engineer and he fixed tvs in the basement and and although they were you know i'm old enough those were tube type TVs and the technology is is dead now you know I, I learned a lot about how to how to fix things you know how to figure out what was wrong with something and fix it and so when I I came to the to the conclusion that something was wrong with me that um, that I uh, there was a reason you know that, uh, that there was a for some reason I was eating beyond control uh, I figured in that same with that same engineer's mind that that if I could just figure out what it was, I could replace the right part, turn the right screw, tighten the right belt, uh, that uh, you know that uh, I could fix this thing, you know, and and as you can imagine, it didn't work, you know. That of course, you know, you could. I I said, well, if I just knew a little more, if I just found the right self-help book or the the right person to talk to if i just could figure this thing out and 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 i get the program and i and the the sponsor says there isn't a chapter called figure it out in that whole big book there isn't one called figure it out and there isn't one that's called why it works and as a matter of fact i as a joke i assigned some sponsorees one time to find those chapters figure it out and why it works and read them and call me back. And I actually had one call me back and claim that he found them and read them. And I don't know if he was putting me on like I was putting him on or if he was just a liar. But the fact is that, that um, even with the help of, of the great psychiatrist, Dr. Young, uh, Roland couldn't figure it out well enough to fix it on his, on his own because it's not a problem that we can analyze and and fix uh, like uh, a bad fuel pump you know uh, it, it's not it's not that kind of problem and it's a problem that I'm powerless over even if I even if it mattered even if I could go back and say I I eat because my mother was you know from a family of 16 kids with 
and, and you know portioned out our food, it wouldn't help. It, it, it doesn't help. So anyway, uh, their solution is a spiritual solution, a surrender. God has power, and I don't. With that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me Thank share. you, Cra- Thank you, Craig F. Rita K., it's your turn. Good morning. My name is Rita K. Uh, from Kansas, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. It's good to listen to my neighboring state friend there uh, share about this because, you know, I'm sitting here looking at um, – shelves a couple of shelves of books and you know it's so it's so ironic that i'm sitting where i'm sitting because i can see the different names of books that i have bought over the years and that i really need to take the half price books that they will take them and you know i bought over the years thinking that this is the answer and then i'd hear the another book this is the answer and then i'd see something on oprah this is the answer. And then I see, you know, it will go on and on and on and, you know, or read an article or anything. And this is the answer, thinking that this one is going to be the answer. And, you know, even at one point thinking that if I memorize this and this and this in the big book, that's the answer, you know, but this is talking, this, uh, the, the paragraph that, that we just read, you know, and we're going to get into more of, of, you know, of the spiritual solution. We've been talking about spirituality this week. And the thing about it is that, I mean, and even different medias in OA, I heard somebody allude to that. This is the answer. Okay, the way this group does it is the answer. The knowledge from this group is the answer. And I'm running around like a chicken with his head cut off looking for different types of knowledge that is going to be the answer. And the thing about it is that head knowledge isn't it. And for me, and I'm learning, and I'm hearing, and I listen, finally, I shut up and listen that, you know what, this is a spiritual program. There's a spiritual foundation to that, to this. And for me, and I always say this, for me and my experience with relapse, I can look at myself and see that it was a step one issue. I took my power back, or I had the illusion of taking my power back. And so I I look at this, I look at all these books on my shelf that I really do need to clean up, and I and, and I look at myself and my attitude over the years, you know, this pompous attitude, you know, because I'm a reasonably intelligent woman, and to think about it, at some point somebody told me that, so therefore I get to the point where I'm not listening. And so I'm finally just sitting down and being quiet and listen to the spirituality that's been growing within me and, and, and that is growing within all of you. And I'm learning so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rita Kay. Okay, we're going to take some more folks that would like to share. But just a friendly reminder, we are on page 26 of the big book. I'm reading that first paragraph only. Who else would like to chime in today? Russ M. Russ M. Oops, sorry. Janice P.M. Janice P.M. Susan H. Someone said hi, Amy, but I didn't get their name. That was just Janice PM still. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Thanks, Janice. Barb C. Take a few more. Barb C. I'm sorry, who? 
Barbsy. Oops, sorry. Barbsy. Barbsy. Charlie. Barbsy. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your patience. You might chime in here. Can we take one more? Anyone else? Okay. We've got Russ M, Janice PM, Susan H, Barb C, Amy G. Russ, you are up. Good morning. Thanks, Good Amy, morning. for your service. This is Russ M, recovered compulsive reader outside of Philly. So when I when I hear this passage, I think of uh, obviously I think of myself here. Um, you know, I figured everything out. I you know I had it all figured out from a very young age. You know, I was a pretty articulate little kid, and uh, I was kind of on my own in a way. I had to figure a lot of adult things out at a, at a young age, so I always knew everything. So I always knew everything, and I knew what diet to be on. I knew how to eat. I knew what workout to do. You know, uh, if that diet didn't work, another one would, and where am I at now, right? So I had, it basically control for me was control, but I really did think I knew what was going on. But until I surrendered, you know, until, until I, I, you know, I broke down, I was, I was done, I was crushed a year ago, over a year ago. That's when I realized I really didn't know anything. And you can have all the self-knowledge you want. You can have the best education and be, your IQ could be the highest IQ ever. It, it ain't going to fix this. It's not going to fix this. And, yes, we need a power greater than ourselves. As always, you know, I'm Captain Obvious, but it just, just to reinforce that, until I surrendered this, that's when I gained freedom. And I surrendered it by turning my life over to God and working the steps. I mean, what do they say? It's a, you know, it's a... It's, it's a simple program. You just got to do that. And um, that's, that's basically my point. It's just funny. I wasted so much time and so much energy over all these years knowing everything and reading this book, and this one's going to be the fix. And if I do this diet, oh, I got it hooked. I'm done. I, I'm good for the rest of my life. I can get away with this. And it's just that's not what it is. And, you know, if there's newcomers on this line, I know it's it's scary to, to surrender your life and will over to God and that you have no control over this, this disease. But that's where you will find your strength. That's where you get your freedom. And it's a process. And if I can do it, anybody can. Um, so that's what that evoked in me. You know, that you, know, you can be a smart dude, smart person, but really get nowhere. And that was my life. And I'm still learning. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me share. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, Russ M. Janice P.M., your turn, followed by Susan H. Well, good morning again, Amy. This is Janice P.M. from Boston, Massachusetts, recovered gratefully. Yeah, Roland has it. Sorry, folks, this this, um, miracle cannot be paid for. This miracle of a spiritual awakening, the solution of my problem cannot be bought can't be purchased okay it does not even know who i am (laughs) i don't 
don't care who we are. We could be the president's daughter. You know, it doesn't matter. This disease does not know who I am. It's no match. I am no match for this disease. You know, the solution, I can't even get it by reading about it, by knowing about it. There's nothing I can do, and believe you me, if you talk to me, I've tried for 31 years. Well, less than that, but I've been in since, you know, for 31 years. And I tried every means of escape. And um, let me tell you, the last thing that I was going to do, because I had my husband's a dentist, he could have, you know, wired my teeth. But I knew in my heart that I'd probably beg him to take it off because I, I know the, the power of how much I wanted to eat over even taking, you know, even taking pills. He could get me any pill that I wanted. Um, there were days that um, that when I had the pills, um, I didn't even have to pay for, you know, I mean, he, he I didn't have to go to the doctors, that I would deliberately not take them because I wanted to eat. That's how powerful my disease was. You know, and I can't get it from going to 90 meetings in 90 days. I can't get it by getting the best sponsor that's in OA. I can't get it about, I'm so, I was so confused. What do I do? Baffled, baffled. And just like the two doctors, you know, Dr. Silkworth and Dr. Young, they were also baffled. Although, that you know, Dr. Young knew, you know, that perhaps there was, um, you know, a higher power. Because I cannot regain any self-control once I've lost it. Once I've crossed that line, I can't regain it again, no matter what I do, no matter how much I wish not to, because I didn't have any defense against it. No wonder I never received the solution, because I didn't know I had a spiritual problem. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. And, you know, if I don't know if I have a spiritual problem, then I'm not looking for a spiritual solution. And the spiritual, the spiritual solution was the 12 steps for me to change, to change, to change. I cannot change by myself. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. It is now Susan H. Please go ahead, Susan. Hi, this is Susan H. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Ohio. Um, this businessman was looking to his intelligence, self, not his self-knowledge, his own power to save himself. I do identify with that. In the one and a half years between the time I came into the rooms and the time that I worked the steps with a recovered sponsor, I kept thinking, believing, I get it, and I can do this. And again and again, binging and wondering why. I was sure my understanding of my insanity, those are really strong words, was I really insane, would lift me out of my compulsive overeating. Till the next time when I binged again, I gained 20 pounds in that year and a half, made my way up to 250 pounds again. I was looking to myself, to my intelligence, and it did not save me. In desperation, <clears throat> in desperation, I added my name to newcomers in a vision for you. I got a sponsor. I read the book with the sponsor and discussed what it meant. I worked the steps in order to the best of my ability. My knowledge did not get me the daily reprieve I have for today. I can honestly say that working the steps has given me the greatest gift, the gift of consciousness of a higher power. 
who loves me unconditionally, who was there before I knew him. Not knowledge nor determination that I could do it. Could do it. The steps and the decision to turn my life over and my will over to that higher power has given me the freedom from 85 pounds and from the constant torture of the thought of food. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Susan H. Barb C., you are up. Barb, press star one, please. Hi, sorry about that, folks. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Great, great. Thanks so much. Thanks for your service, everyone. Uh, Barb C. in Pembroke, Ontario, near Ottawa. Um, this is just such a uh, an amazing part of the book. Um, the um, this addiction, this disease, is such a it's a it's a total equalizer. Um, and this story affirms that it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much intellect you have yourself or how much you can or how much you can access in the case of getting you know the preeminent psychologist of the day to look at your problem. It's a, it's a great equalizer. My uh, and this is so so important for me because I thought my intellect um, was in in many ways my intellect uh, has saved me from some things. Um, it's availed me of of the ability to to change my life in in some ways. But you know, at the age of fifty five, coming on fifty six, uh, I'm realizing that it's more of a de- it's more of a detriment. Um, I also think what's underlying it is a great deal of fear that if I let go and embrace a higher power that I, that I, um, that I put my mind, my intellect and, uh, and all of the fancy words kind of to the side, recognizing they don't have the power to help me with this disease, what will that mean? So I've had to face some fear about that, the fear that I, just this confused idea that if I embrace it, if I open my heart, and, and allow a higher power to bypass and allow me to bypass that, that, you know, that intellectual wrangling that I use every day, that I'll somehow be diminished in the eyes of the people I respect. And, and that's just fear. That's just fear. That's just old fear. Um, the truth of the matter is that as somebody who's peaceful, <laughs> you know, um, the people that, I care about are present to me and I'm present to them. And I'm just figuring this out now, my friends, <laughs> this is, you know, I'm brand new to this because I too have spent my entire life thinking if I were smart enough or respected enough or educated enough that all would be perfect or thin enough. And I did have the experience of losing 130 pounds and you bet the world, you know, the world gives you a standing O and, um, but I can't keep that if I haven't let, um, if I haven't opened my heart and my soul to a higher power. Um, and, and I hadn't entirely. Um, perhaps in moments, not at all, that I thought I could take my way through this because I really understand how this disease works. So, uh, you know, I, I get it, you know, in quotes, I get it. Um, well, it's taken me some time to really get it. And I have to have the courage to open myself to uh, to a higher power, and I'm doing that, and it's a beautiful thing, 
And uh, I'm still smarter than your average bear, but that's not going to get me there. So thanks, uh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Barb C. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. You know, to me, it's not that knowledge is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the bottom line is we've just spent, you know, the doctor's opinion uh, hearing and understanding what is the disease of compulsive overeating, the twofold nature, a physical allergy and a mental obsession. I needed to understand coming into Overeaters Anonymous what it is that I was dealing with. I didn't even know I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't even know what that meant. And then we've gone through the chapter, we've gone through Bill's story, and I'm relating to his experiences. I mean, I'm using my knowledge in my mind to start to understand and grasp what that is, but then clearly knowledge only takes us so far because it didn't matter what I knew, even when I came into Overeaters Anonymous year after year, it didn't matter what I knew. My knowledge only took me so far, and as a matter of fact, my knowledge then became a detriment. Because it says in step one in the AA 12 and 12 that we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive eating that only an act of providence can relieve it of us. And what is it telling us here that knowledge will only serve us and then at some point we have to let go of what we know. I mean, it talks about that. We have to let go of old ideas and the result is nil until we let go absolutely. I have to surrender what it is I then know and come to understand and listen to the instructions that are in this book and listen to those who are speaking who are recovered and whom the problem has been solved and put aside my thinking and put aside what I think I know. At that point, knowledge only serves to ruin my binges. I mean, you've heard that slogan or saying in OA that, you know, OA is like the mafia. Once you get in, you never get out because you know too much and it ruins all your binges. I mean, that's what I was doing in the first five years of Overeaters Anonymous is experiencing again and again that my knowledge would not cure me or fix me of the twofold nature of this disease, particularly the mental obsession, and that, in fact, my mind was a liability, that at some point I needed to take a leap of faith into action, and I needed to surrender. I had to choose to surrender to the process of working these 12 steps, regardless of what I knew or what I thought I knew, I had to surrender my thinking because actuality, my thinking would always lead me back to the food, just like it did here with Roland. It is a leap of faith into some sort of belief of our own powerlessness and then asking for help. But once we do that, there's no stopping us because these 12 steps are miraculous in the transformation that occurs. There's so many of us recovered on the lines that can say that these instructions, if we follow them, with willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness and humility that we can recover, and we do. And with that, I'll pass. Who else would like to share? I think we've got time for, oh, we have time for a few more. Roanne. Darian K. Okay, I heard Roanne. And who else? Lisa B. Darian K. Lisa B. Joanne K. Anita K. Anita, there we go. I think that might be. Who we got. Helen? Uh, Helen G. Helen G. Let's see if we can get to you. I think I heard, was it Roanne? Lisa B. G- Jeannie? And Anita K. Was it Jeannie? Joanne. Joanne. I'm sorry. All right. Let's go with that. Roanne? Roanne, I didn't get Hi. the last And then Lisa P. Followed by Lisa P. Joanne, Anita K, and Helen G. Let's see if we can get through you guys. Okay, go ahead, Ryan. 
Hi, this is Roanne M. I'm calling from New York, New York. Thank you so much for everyone who's on the line this morning. I love how everyone's talking about how self-knowledge availed us nothing, and that's definitely something I've learned over the years with my illness. I want to talk about the last line of the paragraph, more baffling still. He could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. What this reminds me of is step one and the mental blank spot. And that with the, because of this illness, we have no recollection of what this disease did to us. We only remember what this did for us. And I know for me that I had the euphoric recall and I only wanted the effect of what the food did for me and for those eight seconds when I was using food, I was taken into another reality. I was taken out of my reality into a state of oblivion, like Bill says in a line, two bottles of gin and oblivion. And that's what I wanted my whole life. I wanted to be taken into another reality. I was miserable in my reality. I hated myself. I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop binging. It was the endless cycle. We we emerged, excuse me, we emerged remorseful, vowing never to do it again. And that was my cycle. And so the mental blank spot tells me, oh, it's okay. You can have it this time. You can control it. But really, I never could control it. The control, it's a delusion of control. Whenever I was on a diet, that was a delusion of control so and every time I wanted to pick up food why did I want to pick up food because of the buildup of human emotions and me as an addict I couldn't handle having those human emotions I didn't know how to manage them in a healthy way so it would it would it would uh, start the mental twist which would then drive me into the food, and then I would have to pick up the food because I had no, learned no other solution. That was my only solution that I had ever learned my entire life was to use food. And once I picked up the food, it sparked the physical allergy. And once I picked up the food, I couldn't keep from eating and eating and eating and eating. So if I can't keep from eating because of the mental twist, and if I can't stop from eating because of the physical allergy once I've started, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. And he talks about this more baffling still to give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. And this is the exact, exact line that talks about my mental blank spot. And it talks about that many times in this book. And that's why I need to come to meetings. And that's why I need to hear mm-hmm. the summers. Because my disease will make me forget that I need this program and that I am a compulsive overeater. And thank you so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you so much. Lisa B., followed by Anita K. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? This is Lisa. I can. Thank you for your service. Thank you. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and a 
the words that came from you know to me in this reading was that relapse was unthinkable and you know when i when i started getting into this book i was taught that alcoholism comes in people not in bottles and that sounds like such a basic thing to understand but i never really got that that this is an inside inside issue that compulsive overeating uh, doesn't come in the chocolate chip cookie which was the love of my life you know it's inside of me it's inside of me that i have um an allergy of the body and a mental twist and we hear that all the time and I mean it's almost like it just almost begins to lose meaning to me you know those words because it's just so familiar it's like blah 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 you know but when I met someone in whom the problem has been solved and she began to show me through her experiences how the mental twist showed up for her I began to see myself in her and the line um that comes out for me also is in more about alcoholism. It says, but the actual or potential alcoholic with hardly an exception will absolutely, uh, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And, you know, for me, I see that this disease gets worse as I get older. And the other thing that I wanted to share is the thing with sharing drunkologues or our stories is sometimes it could cause some of us to say, oh, I'm not that bad. I don't have that problem. So sometimes sharing the drunkologues and how big I got or how much I ate, you know, that doesn't always bring an impact to me. But when I start to hear um, really about this book and keeping it to the book and how this book describes me and breaks it down of how I can get well, I can start to identify in, but when people start giving specific circumstances, you know, my mind, I start to think I'm not that bad. You know, I don't have that problem that bad. But the other thing is about the, the path narrowing. As I get older, you know, more things can give me an effect that didn't used to give me an effect. And I am an addict, and I go to food. I also go to alcohol. And anything that gives me an effect that at one time was innocent and fine and harmless, I need to surrender. You know, I've had to do that with certain substances that other people can eat or drink without any problem. But I have to see that when I start to get an effect, um, it opens the door. If food starts to become too sexy for me, you know, I have to surrender it. But um, anyways, that's what I felt led to share. So thanks again. I pass. Thank you. and uh, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Lisa B. Anita K. I think we're going to be wrapping up with you. So Helen G., please share on the second hour if you can. Go ahead, Anita. All right. Hi, it's Anita J., but K is close oh. enough. Sorry, sorry, Anita. <laughs> and, uh, Anita. Oh, I knew that. And I'm actually. a recovered, I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Thank you, God. And you know, I thought maybe Helen would say, "Is it odd or is it God?" Um, when Roland Hazard had to go to his third choice, Carl Jung, and um, look at how that changed the course of everything. I mean, it just confirmed. What Bill, you know, W is going to tell us later, and, and what the Oxford group already knew, is that the answer to our problems is coming from within us, not some famous person, uh, not the right course. You know, I grew up across the street from a very good university, and I went there, and. Um, I took as a freshman every psych course, even when my advisor said, we don't recommend that for freshmen. 
I said, oh, I can do it. And I could, I could fool anybody. You know, I should have been an actress. But I couldn't, you know, I barely passed that course. I couldn't read it. It was so scary, all the craziness. I knew something was wrong with me. Never dawned on me that it was tied in with my food. Never. But I've always been the last to know most everything. And it's because I think I know the answers. When I think I know the answers, and you know what, I'm holding the timer and never press start. So the thing is, I, I, um, when I think I know the answers, I'm doomed. Because I was reading this book since 1978, and I never got it. Never. It's just incredible how blind a person can be. But, you know, as I'm having vision issues, really, my vision on understanding myself and others and what's important in this life and how to be the best Anita I can possibly be, it's never been clearer. 44, is it what, 2020, 2020 in that. And uh, isn't that the most important piece? I am just so grateful. I'm so grateful the other two guys were all booked or we'd be roaming around in our libidos trying to figure out who did what to us. And so thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Anita J. <laughs> all right. I would like to thank everyone who has shared such an awesome meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing of this meeting. The share ID for today's meeting, 7 a.m. Tuesday, February 13th, is 11,040. That's 11040. We will now close with a reading of the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please go ahead and read the vision for you? Thank you, Amy. Um, Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.